God is good. All the time. time. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord and to share worship with you today. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious, almighty, awesome, incredible God, we come before you this morning thanking you for the family and the community of faith. Thank you for the opportunities we have each and every day, wherever we live, wherever we go to school or wherever we work or what Lord it is that we do, that we have an opportunity to be your witnesses, to share your message, to live the life you called us to live. Lord, forgive us. Uh, help us. Uh, help us to hear your word today. Help us to hear your conviction today, but help us to hear the word of hope and strength that comes with it. So Lord, set me aside that it's your word heard clearly. In your name we pray. Amen. Back when the telegraph was the fastest method of long-distance communication, there was a young man who applied for a job as a Morse code operator. He saw an ad in the local newspaper, and he went to the address, and as he entered the building, it was a large building with a large room, a lot of noise and distractions, and you could hear the telegraph ticking in the background. As he entered the office, he saw a sign on the receptionist's desk that said, Those here for the job, please fill out a form, have a seat, and you'll be summoned when we are ready for you. Well, the young man filled out the form, sat down, and he noticed there were several other people who were applying for the same job there, too. But it was only a few minutes later that the young man stood up. He crossed the whole floor and entered the inner office. Well, those who were there looked at him, kind of smirked and laughed, like, what's he doing? Where is he going? He's for sure to get disqualified the job by going to the inner office without being summoned. Well, it was only a few minutes later, and the employer escorted the young man out of the office. And he said to those other, other applicants, Thank you, gentlemen, for coming and applying for this job, but the position has now been filled. Well, you could imagine the other applicants' upsetness at this, and they began to grumble, and one man stood up and said, Sir, wait a minute. We've been here longer than he's been. He went in and applied. We haven't gotten a chance to apply. That's not fair. The employer said, I'm sorry, but all the time you've been sitting here, the telegraph has been ticking out the following message in Morse code. If you understand this message, then come right in. The job is yours. None of the men heard it. None of the men were listening, he said, but this young man did, and so he gets the job. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is beginning to put together his staff to carry out his message. He didn't put an ad in the local newspaper or invite people to come into his office and apply, but he did call them and he appointed them. How much, I wonder, would they understand of the life they were about to live and what their responsibilities would be. I imagine too that there were other followers of Jesus around who said, that's not fair. Why didn't you choose me? I've been following you longer than they have. But just as this young man who applied for the telegraph operator position understood Morse code, these men would have to come to understand Jesus to who he was, and to what he had called each of them to do. 
perhaps, perhaps you and I, perhaps we too need to understand who he is and what he's called us to do. I think Matthew in today's scripture begins to help us with that. So I invite you to turn to the book of Matthew. And this morning we're going to go through a good part of Matthew before we get to today's verse. So online, if you've got your Bibles or here in person, I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 10. Check your devices. There are Bibles in the pew ahead of you. And follow along as we get, as we prepare for today's verse. Beginning in th- at the beginning of chapter 10, verse 2, what do we see? But we see that Jesus names the disciples. And then he begins to go in the next few verses of what their mission would be. Verse 5 begins that, but verse 7 names it. What does he say that the mission is? To proclaim what? To proclaim the good news. The kingdom of heaven has come near. We spent the last month over asking God, praying to God to build your kingdom here. Here we hear it again. But then what were these disciples called to do? Verse 8 begins to tell us to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leopards, and cast out the demons. And then Jesus gives some instructions to his disciples, the, the same instructions that a rabbi would give to his students and his disciples. Verses 8 through 10, and one of those, freely give as you have received. And then he gives practical advice for his disciples to follow as they enter a city or a village. So that's good as he's prepared them for this point, but now things are going to get a little tougher. There's some challenges that Jesus' followers will encounter. Look at verse 16. They will be sheep into the midst of wolves. Betrayed in verse 21. Hated in verse 22. We know this about Jesus, but we see it again in today that Jesus doesn't hesitate. He doesn't mix words when he has that which he offers of what to expect to those who follow him. They would be persecuted by the state, by the church, perhaps even their own families. To whom will they be obedient? In verse 23, we see that Jesus reminds them not to throw their life away in a needless act of martyrdom. Courage is, rest, courage is not reckless. Don't stick around people who bring out the worst in you. But then a word of hope. 23 also offers us a word of hope about the return of Jesus. Or which should we say the reality or the realization of the kingdom of God. In verses 24 and 25, Jesus reminds his disciples to expect that what might happen to him, to Jesus, possibly, probably will also happen to them. Just as Christ had to carry a cross, they would also carry a cross. But there's also a privilege here. For those that suffer for Christ is to share the work of Christ. To sacrifice for the faith is to share the faith of Christ. And Christ's resurrection opens the door for their resurrection. So a lot to look at in chapter 10 as we've gone up all the way to today's scripture. But I thought it was important to lay that groundwork that we might understand who it is that Jesus is speaking to. And what he is that he's calling them to do 
and be in their life. So now let us look at today's verses. Matthew chapter 10, 26 through 33. So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the night, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soil. Soil. Soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soil, soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are more valuable than all the sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. We see this about Matthew that in his whole book, he begins to unfold and reveal to us the story of Jesus. In chapter 1 of Matthew, we learn of Jesus' birth. In chapter 3, we learn of his baptism. In chapter 4, we learn of the temptations. And then we have his teachings in chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. What do we call that? The Sermon on the Mount. Good, we just finished the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 7. In chapter 8, we begin to see Jesus' healing power. But there's also, in chapter 8 and 9, this undercurrent of opposition that's beginning to rise. And so that brings us to chapter 10. And we just covered chapter 10 a good bit, speaking to the call, mission, challenges, and persecutions that are, that are to happen to those who follow Christ. So where do we go from here? Verse 26 begins to talk about freedom. Freedom from what? From fear. Perhaps a freedom that we all seek or need in our own walk, maybe in our own life. But what kind of fear is Jesus talking about? Three times he encourages his disciples not to be afraid. A messenger of God must have courage and fearlessness which distinguishes him or her from others. Look back at today's verses, if you've got your Bible still open. Look back at verse 26, is where we began the scripture today. Have no fear for them, for nothing is covered up that will be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. Nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, Nothing secret that will not become unknown. What's being talked about here? What do you think is being referenced here? The truth. The truth. Remember, Jesus is referring to the challenges and persecution that these messengers will be facing. And even amidst the suffering even amidst the sacrifices for their faith that they will encounter, one must remember that the day will come when things will be seen as they really are. 
the good and the bad. Therefore, messenger, do not be afraid to speak with boldness. The message you have received from Jesus, the truth will prevail. But to do that, we have a responsibility. To do that, we have an action that we're called to do. Look at verse 27. Can you catch what that action is? What I say to you in the dark, what you hear whispered. What I say to you in the dark, what you hear whispered. What must we do to hear that? But to listen. To listen. We cannot speak for Christ unless Christ has first spoken to us. We cannot proclaim the truth unless we have listened to the truth and speak this truth, even if it causes others to despise us. We don't like the truth sometimes. We fear the truth or we cringe at the truth. Let's not forget that when we speak to others, God is also listening to what we say. It was said of John Knox that here lies one who feared God so much that he never feared the face of any man. Do you know who John Knox is or was? He was the leader of the Scottish Reformation in the 1500s. Queen Mary of Scots said of John Knox that she fears the prayers of John Knox more than all the armies of Europe. Man, can we be so bold in our witness? Can we be so convicted and trusting and knowing of the presence of God that we know no fear? Trusting that the judgment of eternity will correct the judgment of time. We can. We can. When we spend time listening to God and when we speak to others, remembering that God is also listening to us. Look at verse 28. Whom do we fear more? Whom do we fear more? The punishment of humankind? Or the guilt of being disobedient to God. We also keep in mind that the rewards of God compared to the rewards that others give. To think of this as a holy fear. That we may not fear God's punishment. That we may grieve the loss of His love. There are things... That are worse than death. And what about the sparrow? What about the sparrow? This reference in verse 29. To not one of them falling to the ground. It's not a reference to death. But a reference to the sparrow lighting upon the ground. Imagine. God knows every sparrow and every sparrow that touches and lights upon the ground. If God knows that, if He knows every hair on our head, 
how much more does he care for us and everything that we do? We can have courage that the life of a messenger of God is founded on the understanding we cannot drift beyond the love of God. God will not leave us or forsake us. We are surrounded by God's care. If this is so, and we believe it in our gut, then whom shall we fear? What shall we be afraid of? Not only do we have freedom from this fear, as verses 32 and 33 remind us, that there's a reward for our loyalty. If we're loyal to Christ, Christ will be loyal to us. If we acknowledge Christ, Christ will acknowledge us. Think of the church today. Think of Emmanuel today. Where would the church be if people weren't willing to stand up for Christ? Where would Emmanuel be if people weren't over 50 years ago willing to take a chance and start a new church and a new area and a new neighborhood that this neighborhood might know Christ and his kingdom. But what happens if we deny Christ? J.P. Mahaffey, a famous scholar from Trinity College in Dublin, Ireland, was asked if he was a Christian. Yes, of course, he said, but not offensively so. get it? In other words, his Christianity would not interfere with the crowd he kept and the pleasures he loved. How often do we say, and usually not even by words, that we go to church, perhaps we go here to Emmanuel, but don't worry about that. We're not that different. We still enjoy the pleasures of the world. Please don't go to any trouble to live differently because of me or around me. Do we really not think we are called to be different than the world? Do we really think we will not be held accountable for embracing the ways of the world rather than calling the world to embrace the ways of God? It's not our duty to be conformed to the world. It's our duty to be transformed by it. It's not our duty to be conformed to the world. It's our duty to be transformed by it. You can deny Christ by our actions. We can deny Christ by our words. We can deny Christ by our silence. You remember the Blues Brothers? Any smiles there? I didn't go back and watch. Thank you, James. You just need a hat, man. You'll, you'll, you'll fit right in there with it. So, I didn't go back and watch the movie, and I know there's probably some inappropriate parts of the movie. I recognize that. But there's one part of the movie that I always remember. These two boys, Dan Aykroyd, two boys, Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi, but they were in the movie. They're reunited, and they're on a mission. Do you remember what that mission was? They're on a mission from God. The actual mission was to save the orphanage that they were raised in so that it wouldn't be closed down. 
but we recognize the mission from God. What is your mission? What is our mission? Whose mission is it? Do we profess? Do we claim? Do we seek to be a messenger of God? This call is initiated from God. He's tapping out Morse code, inviting us to come to Him. Are we listening? Can we hear it in the midst of the distractions of the world? Are we just going to stay on our seat and wait for somebody to come and get us? Jesus doesn't hold back any words. The way and life of a messenger of God is challenging. There will be obstacles, maybe persecution, betrayal, perhaps even hatred among our own family. But there's also a promise. Truth will be revealed and truth will prevail. Life with Christ will survive the ups and downs of life so much better than life without Christ. And our loyalty will be rewarded in a way that nothing in this world, of this world, can offer us. So may we be messengers of God who seek to proclaim the good news that others might come to know Him, see Him, experience Him through who we are, what we do, and what we say. The name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost.